The week is almost over, so pour that coffee. And let's discuss what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Joining Steve Scafidi, here's Joe Sapecki and Bill McCaution. Should we talk about the government? Oh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Power Hour, Joe and Bill. Gentlemen, Wisconsin has spoken. I talked to three guys in a bar last night on the south side of Milwaukee. They said that the political power hour is the best hour of radio in Wisconsin. Real real thing happened. And they got it twice this week. It must be Groundhog Day, right? Yeah, you yeah, guys, it's Groundhog you guys Day. took over the place on Monday. Yeah. yeah. How'd, that, how'd that go, by the way? I thought well. Smoother than the first time. Yeah, how, I think we're... how many Where's Steve um, texts did you get? Not, honestly, we Come got, on. we got more texts that said you guys are better without Steve. <laughs> we did wear Steve texts. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to break. <laughs> Joseph Becky has now been replaced on the political power hour. <laughs> Good for you guys. And thanks for filling in. I was, I took a very well deserved day off. Yes, you did. You very did well deserved. Yeah, it was a nice three day weekend. All right, gentlemen, last night. What time did that come out, Bill? Late. The uh, consultants like finally o'clock. weighed in. Yeah. yeah that's too yeah. late. It's too late for old guys. It started popping on my feed. Yeah. Everybody's weighing in. So according to this report, the conservative plans will, and the legislature, partisan gerrymandering. This is my shocked face. (laughs) Gerrymander's going to gerrymander, am I right? Right. And liberals' plans were indistinguishable from each other. And I think they did somebody weave in a geography is not destiny because I know you just talked about. Oh, that. I just tweeted about that. You yeah. want to follow my tweet today? Yeah. Geography is not destiny. So, what are our initial thoughts as we've now seen the consultants' report and they stayed on their timeline and and they really didn't create their own plan, although they said they would do it if asked. Yeah, they they are poised to create to to improve the four acceptable maps is the way that I read that. Um, you know, I, listen, this is what is supposed to happen. Like they laid out a process, the process is being followed, people have an opportunity, and what I what I did not know until yesterday is that one of the consultants they hired is the guy who helped the Republicans draw the Uber I saw that comment. I was, was going to ask Bill if you know that's true. Is and that so, true, Bill? Yeah, it is. And oh. so let's like be really, really careful about assuming that this is politics because it sounds like they have somebody who literally had a hand in the twenty eleven maps scoring the will map and the Senate Republicans map as partisan gerrymanders and saying these are outside the bounds of what we asked for, and so they won't be considered, period. All right, so what do we think? Well, listen, this Supreme Court got what they paid for, right? They paid these consultants two hundred grand, a hundred grand each. Uh, You got the four progressive majorities uh, on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, bought and paid for by East and West Coast liberals. $10 million went into Janet Protasiewicz's campaign all with the goal of undoing the existing maps and replacing them with democratically gerrymandered maps. There are a couple things that stood out in these maps to me that I thought was almost comical. Uh, one of them was there's a brand new criteria. It doesn't exist in the Constitution at the state level or the federal level. It's called political neutrality. The new progressive majority decided that was going to be a factor. But if you re- read the report, it can't replace or can't supersede their words any of the constitutional criteria. Yet when you read the report, that's exactly what it does. Political neutrality was the entire goal of this effort. And that's how they were eliminated the GOP map, which wasn't great. I, I wish GOP would have done that map differently, but the will map met all the constitutional criteria, 1,000%. It met all the political criteria. 
but the consultants called it a stealth gerrymander on this political neutrality argument. For the rest of us, what does that mean? What what it means is they're trying to get the the districts as as fairly or competitive as they possibly can across the board. And the reality is Republicans have a natural advantage in Wisconsin. In twenty, let me give you an example. In twenty twenty two, Tony Evers, I'd say easily won re-election as governor. Right, he beat Tim 3%. Michaels by three percent, ninety thousand votes roughly. Uh, that's sort of a landslide in Wisconsin in recent history. Tell that to Tammy Baldwin. But he only won 16 out of 72 counties. Mandela Barnes, Democrat, top of the ticket, same race. Ron Johnson did win that race by a whisker. Mandela Barnes won 13 out of 72 counties. And, Republicans, lost, and lost by how many votes? Uh, 27,000. 27,000. Republicans have a natural geographic advantage. This group of consultants, these two consultants, essentially eliminated that. What they said was, to put it simply, in Wisconsin, geography is not destiny. The plan chosen to determine whether the political neutrality, there, there it is again, and other criteria will be served. The reality is these guys only used political neutrality. That was their goal from from uh, the get-go. Constitutional requirements be damned. You know, this is there's two more steps to this. The Wisconsin Supreme Court has to choose one of the four quote-unquote remaining maps, and then there's absolutely going to be a challenge to the United States Supreme Court. So we'll see how this plays out. If they found this new political neutrality argument, is that how you define a political neutrality? That yeah, it was it was put into the. Uh, the criteria by this progressive majority on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Is that something the U.S. Supreme Court could say you can't just make up new things? Uh, we make up new things all the time. Well, the legislature should make, can make new things, but not necessarily the court, the, our court. Th- things change, right? We we have seen that with this. We talked about this on Monday. This, the level of statistical analysis that you can do, that you can build these things in your garage. It's crazy. Right? Like down to the individual street level. I, like, I'm no lawyer. Political neutrality seems like, if that's what's happening here, of a, a reasonable thing. Like, what I said on Monday was, I want there to be a significant number of maps or, or of districts and whatever maps get adopted that could literally go either way, right? Because I think that will lead to better outcomes in the state legislature. It will account for when the political tides go one way or the other, then that political party will will have control of the legislature for a little while. Like, again, what is wrong with that? Because right now, if Dem- if Republicans win a statewide race by one percent, they get a seven you know seven or eight seat majority in the assembly. If and there's zero chance that even if Tony Evers wins by five points. That Democrats can ever get a majority in the in the legislature. That's not that's not fair. And the what we're after here are fairer maps, which we are on a path for. I think that's a fine goal. Fairer is in the eyes of the beholder. To your question earlier, the notion of a least change doesn't exist in the Constitution either. But that but was But Republicans invented that. That was the precedent that existed by the prior court. Now the new one is political neutrality. Whether it holds up remains to be seen. I don't mind your point about fairer maps right, that's, across my point the board. Is, you're right I'd rather there's a little eliminate bit of a, the extreme on both sides. Right. There's a little bit of a geographic way that this works, but that's my point is fairer is a fine goal and that's where we're headed. Any chance at all that the Republican led legislature with the help of the governor, craft something that they can both agree on, taking the court out of it. And no, the, and there's, there's, no, and the, 
There's no advantage for the governor to do that. They ran that play two weeks ago, and it didn't work, or last week. Yeah, I don't, I don't because think... the governor didn't like it. If the governor worked with them and they worked with the governor, maybe they could avoid the courts, but they won't do that, of course. I'm asking the question. Well, that's the way the process is supposed to work. Right. And one, the other thing we talked about Monday is maybe we could eliminate all this nonsense and go to that Iowa model. An actual Iowa model where <laughs> right. you literally take the right. politicians out of it. Yeah. All right, cold, hard slap in the face. Uh, every day I do a 2024 daily election talking points. Remember, I'm just taking what Republicans and Democrats are saying. Today's was Dems in Wisconsin. Republicans are saying today, Dems in Wisconsin are trying to gerrymander. Dems, well, they did it in 2011. That's the talking points for today. That's exactly right. <laughs> the Democratic maps are not gerrymanders. The consultants prove that, including the Republican consultant who was involved in the 2011 maps. He does. Where in the report does he say that? You don't get to both sides. You don't get to both sides. This right? I'm not both sidesing. If you're saying they're they're both gerrymanders, there were six or seven maps submitted. One of them got bounced. They looked at the other six. They scored them. Only two of the six. Who's maps... Who's supposed to draw the lines? Well, the legislature, according to the <laughs> right. Constitution, and according to your favorite president, Barack Obama, elections have consequences. So the you know twice in fifty years. Yeah. We've so had, what are you sitting there whining we've, for? We've had the legislature. <laughs> And the governor agree on maps Wait. twice in fifty years, nineteen eighty three, twenty eleven. That's it. Yeah. Every other time they've been drawn by is courts. Not Abraham Lincoln. I'm kind of a big Barack Obama guy. I'm a George Washington <laughs> fan myself. All right, yours? Uh, Ronald Reagan. I'm actually a big Harry Truman guy. Truth be told, really? Yeah, my dog is named Truman because of that. Oh, I thought it was the my movie. daughter's name named Dragon because of that. All right, we're informed. <laughs> so I'm informed. I, even, I think daughter's better than dog. All right, stop yeah. talking. We're late for break. WTMJ now. Hey, everybody, this is Max, and we're doing a basketball joke. Where is Giannis Antetokounmpo's favorite place to eat? Dunkin' Donuts. Back to the show. Yes. Oh, Max, you haven't heard of him in a while. He's back. Guess who's back? He's back Back again. He's strutting now. He's eight years old. Was he wearing his Janesville Jets hat when he... He loves that hat, and he made me say this on the radio. He scored 16 points in his basketball game, high score. Dang. And he's not a big kid. He loves to shoot the kid, and he's getting really good at basketball. Shooter, Best thing they ever shooter, did was shoot. they put him a, a new hoop at his house, and he, the kid just plays. He plays in the rain. That's how dedicated he is. Does he want to join a fifth grade team? <laughs> a little he recruiting already, going he on. He plays with kids that are two years older recruiting. than him already. All right, gentlemen, Washington D.C. Congress. They're all talking about immigration, border policy, sort of. What what do we make of this? The Republicans are casting it as uh, you know, maybe we want to. It's a crisis, but maybe They're we don't want to do the anything quiet about it. part out loud every day. Yes, another Republican in Congress is like, why would we pass a border bill? Joe Biden's at thirty three percent approval. Wait a minute, you've been saying there's a crisis at the southern border that needs to be addressed. Now you're saying it's such a crisis that we can wait a year to solve it. It it is a political mistake. In the messaging wars by Republicans who continue to say the quiet part well, not out loud. All, not all Republicans. Some right. Republicans. There, are, there are Republicans like Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. There's others. Who yeah, is at the table and and good for him. Right. He's not just letting the Ron Johnsons of the world dunk on him and, you know, say that this is dead on arrival before it even exists in text form. He's going out there in the media and saying, this is what we told the American people we would do. And this is what my job is as a legislator. And so we now know, because uh, Senator Schumer went to the floor this week and said there would be a vote on an, a border security bill by Wednesday evening, that we will see legislative text either later today or tomorrow, so that there's enough time for the Congressional Budget Office to score it. You mean we don't have to pass it to know what's in it? And and <laughs> this is why you know we, we learn as we go. Uh, that was a long time ago, Bill. <laughs> 
And so <laughs> that's a Pelosi reference for, the for those of you time, not familiar. Right in this process, we're going to actually see what's in it, and maybe we should all reserve judgment on it until we see what's in it. President wants a bill. Even the Senate wants a bill. The House bill doesn't want a bill. <laughs> doesn't want a bill. Or Mike Johnson doesn't want a bill. So I'm going to agree with your last point. I think we ought to reserve judgment until we see it. But this is the swamp doing swamp things. The Uniparty is behind closed doors trying to cobble together something that they can get 60 votes for. They've got leakers in the room, which is also quite Washington-like, you know, leaking out what they think are the bad parts that will kill this thing. This has been bungled from day one. If how, there how is good policy, I, I would say work it out publicly. Yeah, work it out. Old publicly. school, where there old school amendments and drafting. Yes. it literally. So on the if, floor you were, of, if you were speaker, I'm looking at Bill. I'm pointing at Bill. If you were Mike Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson, would you go forward with some plan that you can at least get a, a vote on? I would go for the parts that can be voted on in his house. Yeah, I wouldn't wait a year. I mean, if there are pieces of, of the of that that would improve our current situation, not solve it by any means, I would consider those for sure. Forgetting the political implications, we can't wait 12 more months for something to happen. I mean, this the, our border is wide open. It is why Joe Biden's numbers are in the low 30s. There's no question about that, but that shouldn't be the sole reason for doing nothing. I thought Bill made a great point on Monday, so great that I'm going to repeat it for him. Thank you. Which is there's... There's nothing that says, right, if these Republicans in the House believe that Donald Trump is destined to be president again or some Republican and that they're going to have control of Congress, there's nothing that says that if they do a border security bill now and improve the situation, there's nothing that says they can't come back in February or March of next year and do another bill. So, like, what's the disincentive to actually addressing the problem or trying to and doing what's achievable now? Nothing but politics. There's a couple myths out there, Steve and Joe. One is that there are 60 votes to pass whatever this secret plan is. I don't believe that. But two, that this is it. If you do this, nothing else can ever happen. That's total baloney. More could happen. It could happen under a Haley administration. It could happen under a Trump administration. A lot of it could be done through executive order. Frankly, some of it Joe Biden could do today if he wanted to do it. He chooses not to. That's where i got to push back on you because... Republicans have been saying they need to pass a bill to change the authorities, and now they're saying, oh, no, Joe Biden can just do it. But every time Donald Trump tried to do something through executive action, the courts overturned it. So this Joe Biden can do it tomorrow thing or do it today is a myth that has been perpetuated by Republicans when Donald Trump couldn't do it himself. He did remain in Mexico. All right, so pure politics, and I'll ask both of you the same question. So if Republicans have said forever, and they have, this is a crisis, and if they don't take any action and they push it off till whenever, um, middle of the year, next year, January, if there's a, new, a Trump presidency or a Haley presidency, whatever, don't Dems win that argument then? If you're, if you're saying it's a crisis and you just ignore it, that's a win for Dems, right? If you want to be truly, like, you know, straight political on this, Democrats don't have to win on immigration. We just have to do a little bit better than we are. And Republicans are walking into the pathway for Democrats to perform better, right? When you ask which party do you trust more on the economy, on education, on national security, Democrats have never had 50% plus one in any polling, in any exit poll. We don't have to win on this issue. We just have to do a little bit better. And Republicans have opened the door for us to do better. If I worked for Mike Johnson, I would have advised him handling this a little bit differently. I would have 
outline the things that are non-starters for the House GOP conference, that if these things are in there, we're not even going to consider. But since we don't know what's in there, we'll wait and see. I wouldn't have gone right to, hell no, we're not doing this. I I think the optics of that are not quite right, and I think he could have handled it better. Ultimately, that's what's going to happen? I think so. I I don't know that the Senate has 60 votes for this. I just don't. So you you see it getting blocked there. Mitch McConnell wants to figure out how to do the right thing by Ukraine and stop Russia's advance. It, and, and let's be honest, McConnell is out of things to care about or give when it comes to what Donald Trump wants. I think 60 is within reach. All right, we got a text or question. Uh, think about during the break, aren't politics in 24 just like Groundhog Day today? Same old, same old with only a gradual progression, evolution of circumstances. Can't we ultimately get a do-over that yields fresher and younger candidates? I don't think so, but we'll see what the guys say after this. All right, this week, for the fun of it, and I, I often throw it back to Bill and Joe because they're, they're both smart guys. I, I let, we let Bill McCaution create the, uh, the outline. So you have tax cuts on the uh, on the outline today. I do. I want one. I well, need wait, one. Well, wait. Are we? <laughs> Bill, I, I, I think our listeners Owner need of a sports our franchise that's says our he needs money. a tax cut. Wait, wait, wait. I forgot the listener question. Yes, the listener yeah. question. All right. Answer the listener question. You want me to read it again? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I completely forgot what it was. <laughs> Can um, I phone a friend? <laughs> are we repeating the same thing? And yes, we are. We, we're probably going to have the same two candidates from 2020. It's, yeah. it's Groundhog Day. I'm going to go uh, back. How do we refresh that? The same way that Bill Murray did in the movie. We have to self-actualize as a country, stop making it about us, the individuals, and start making it about what we can do for others. You know, love one another, love other people. This is what, how like we, a hippie. This now? is how he oh, fu- watch the movie, man. You need the big shit. You should have worn a tie dye shirt today, brother. <laughs> you love the movie. You know you do. The I way do. Bill Murray oh, escapes God. the loop, I don't quote is it like by you becoming do, a better person. It's how he gets the girl. Charlie, we need it's Bob how Marley. He frees music. himself. <laughs> And we all could do with a little bit more love and kindness. <laughs> Have you noticed he's making more speeches as when we do these shows? He now? is. I think he's running for something. Are you running for office? I, I'm already a good boy. That's all I need to and, be. Um, by the way, who's your T-shirt sponsor? Because every week you got this new T-shirt on. Is that something that I should know I'm about? I'm not required to disclose that. <laughs> or, maybe you, or maybe you are. This was a gift from my better half for Christmas. All right, what, do you, what is your answer to the to listeners' text? Uh, well, it's the race we're going to get, whether we like it or not. I still believe Biden won't ultimately be their nominee because his numbers are so bad. I think the age... He's beating issue, Trump this week. Ah, those are false. Fake news. I think the age is his biggest deficit, but I think the border is the second biggest, and I, I don't think he can overcome either one of those. All right. So thanks for the t- text request. You can send your text, uh, text questions to 855-616. Let Bill beg for his tax cut. One six twenty. All right. So Bill McCaution and me, I want my money back for, from the state of Wisconsin, and I want a tax cut. So make the case. Okay. So Republicans introduced uh, a host of tax cuts from Income tax cuts for middle income, not for upper income people. I, so I actually wouldn't get it. Uh, and for child care credit and a variety of uh, retirees to try and keep them here six months plus one day. Uh, it total is $2.1 billion. The theory is we've got a $3.5 billion surplus. This is your money. It's time to give it back. Uh, there was a healthy, spirited debate at the Joint Committee on Finance yesterday. I sat through the whole thing. Uh, all four bills ultimately passed with only Republican votes, 11 to 4. Democrats all voted no, which sort of gives you an indication of what's going to happen on the floor. They will pass the Assembly on February 13th. They will pass the Senate on February 14th. 
And then the question will be, is this the third time Governor Evers will veto tax cuts this session? Are they talking? It doesn't the appear governor and Republicans? No. Why not? I don't get that. You know, it I just, grew up in an administration where yeah. we did deal with the other side. I, I don't totally understand why you don't talk at the end and figure out what you could get done together. Yeah. But that's not going on. All I care about is when, like, everybody asks me this question every week on Ask Steve Anything. When are we getting our surplus back that we paid into, those of us who paid taxes? When's that yeah. happening? Well, the surplus is disappearing before our eyes. It's, it's, already, like down down, a, yeah, it's already down $500 million what, since the last. What happened? Um, economy. Bidenomics. <laughs> Economy's right? booming. It really <laughs> is. About the stock market's this booming. Is why, Jobs are this booming. Is why I, oh, wait. I heard Trump say that was his oh, stock yeah. market, yeah. right? Isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. this is why I have to do the outline, because I, I thought you were talking about the, the, the Wall Street Journal, the yeah. federal plan, $78 billion, and you're, you're talking about the yeah. Wisconsin. So I, I just I have clearly, so little hope in the Congress. <laughs> no, the Congress is going to reestablish the child tax credit. That's part of that yes. one. That's, and, uh, and that's a good thing. That's good public policy. Well, it's bipartisan. During the, during the pandemic, it... it like cut child poverty by like 30 or 40 percent. I mean, it was a big, you know, change that was good. And then it expired before, uh, we got to where we are today. So that's, that's good public policy at the state level. Get, get in a dang room and talk this through. Right. I said on Monday and I'll say it again. Some of these things make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Right. Like the retirement, uh, part of it, uh, you know, what were the other ones that outside of the income tax? It was well, like the, the, the true middle tax ca- tax cut. But is, other than that, there were like three or four uh, of them that rattled off. There was retirement, child care. <laughs> retirement, child care, and one other. There is one other. Those all make sense. And I said, I want to learn more about, you know, ensuring that the, the income bracket, like part of it is genuinely focused. I would still like to see us at another bracket because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that your 39,000 and first dollar of income is taxed at the same amount as like, your hundred and ninety thousand, like that's if that's not the same economic it's, circumstances. It's big, you should be number, but I think they're trying the to appease people that say the middle class is more than just this little slice down there, right? No. I would say if you're making forty thousand dollars a year, you're not in the middle class. No, I would say that's wrong. That's right? a that's a working right. you know family trying to get into the middle class, and if you make one hundred ninety thousand dollars a year, you are well into the middle class. So there's so, but get in a room, governor, speaker, get in a room. It was also, a month ago. Also, by the way, Governor Evers, last time I talked to you on this show was the state fair. Last time I checked, that's in August. Biggest stick in the states. I'm inviting you on the show. Let's talk about some of this stuff. Are you talking to Republicans? Why, why is this such a hard thing? Governor Evers, your staff, get on the program. 855-616-1640. Thank you guys. Sweeten the deal. Bring cream, cream puffs. That might have been why you got him. <laughs> Where am I getting a cream puff at this time of year? That doesn't even make sense, Bill McCoshin. All right, after the let's talk some presidential race stuff, campaign, polling. ME Law School polls coming out next week. We certainly have had a lot of polls about the, the race that we're going to experience, probably in Biden and uh, Trump. We'll do that after the break. Oh, you got your bill. Yeah, baby. Bob Marley movie. Yeah, there let's was. go. There Did was. you Bob Marley movies coming out in a couple I was weeks? I'm there. That. It looks good, actually. Yep. He's singing to his kids, and he's singing songs that we all know as he's creating them, which is the best. So I'm looking forward to the movie. All right. We're seeing all kinds of polling. You talked about it earlier, Bill. You alluded to the fact that now Nikki, not Nikki Haley, um, Trump is losing to Biden in some of the new polling. Again, it doesn't mean a heck of a lot. These are national polls. We don't pick presidents that way. No, but it's you got to look at the trend, right? I said so- Bill. <laughs> he, got your to, turn. he got to your turn, the young man. Today. Your turn, young just man. teasing you. 
I wouldn't read too much into national polls except for how you can use them. And in the case of uh, Biden and Trump, I think that's going to go back and forth for for the entire time. And it's going to end up being a close race. What matters are the six or seven swing states, Wisconsin, maybe one of those. Fox had a poll out yesterday that that had them tied. I'm not so sure that's accurate. Well, I, I would trust Charles Franklin's poll next Wednesday more so than the Fox polls. Truthfully, even as a Fox guy, I will tell you their polling has been garbage for the last decade. Uh, so I, I wouldn't read a whole bunch into that, but, but not if, their election night calls, right? But, but well, <laughs> if I'm Haley, though, there were two polls that stand out that she can use to make her case in the final two and a half weeks in South Carolina. The Q poll had her up on Biden by five, which was outside the margin. And CNN had her up on Biden by 13 yeah, nationally. That. So those are things I'm telling voters. Hey, if you want to change the country, you got to win. And, and if the only way you can win is you got to pick somebody who can beat Joe Biden. And right now, the national polls say I'm the stronger of the candidates to pick them. That's, you know, that's her best argument left. Um, whether it makes a difference, I doubt it. You and I both, though, there's so many people out there that say, I don't care about that. I want Trump to be the nominee. If oh, he yeah. loses the general, that's, he loses the general. But I want him to be the nominee. Well, it, it is going to be Groundhog Day every day in 2024 until that first Tuesday in November, and we're going to live through this. And and I think, and Joe and I talked about this on Monday, overall voter participation in November will be down. People are, do not want this rematch. We're getting it. Young people, uh, I saw uh, some numbers that looked like almost double-digit reduction in young people excited to vote this fall. That's not good. The trend line is good for Joe Biden at the moment. Right. We, I talk about this a lot where it's like noise versus signal. Two months ago in national head to head matchups, Donald Trump was clobbering Joe Biden. And at the time, one of the things we talked about was the disconnect between how the economy was doing and how people were feeling about it. Some of those, that perception gap has diminished. It's not entirely gone. And Donald Trump has been more in people's lives and in their living rooms on election nights, making speeches, more news about the outcomes of some of these trials. The right, Kind of the best thing that ever happened for Trump was he got kicked off Twitter and all these social media sites post-January 6th. Actually agree because he that. wasn't in people's face every day, and they kind of forgot just how nuts the guy is. And as he is becoming more a part of our lives again, and the perception gap on the economy is closing, it is good news for Joe Biden thus far. So doesn't mean anything's over. Uh, Democrats can't go from wet in the bed to being, you know, hey, is Joe Biden peaking too soon? We got a long way to go between now and November. Um, but listen, if I'm Nikki Haley, I'm putting those polls on every media market, on every ad break in Fox News that I can, and making that case over and over again. Has she made any inroads in South Carolina, any improvements? Finally had two new polls come out this week. One had Trump up 32, and the other had him up 26. That's so not, not going to get it done. No, that's, that's not going to get it done. She's got to be at least 40% in her own state, or you know, that's when you think about getting out. Wow. How come, how come the RNC has no money? Well, uh, <laughs> Republican National Committee. They have no money. Eight, like $8 million. million dollars. It's just nothing. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. That shows a lack of enthusiasm for donors. How and that's Ron- related to who we have as nominees. How is Rana Romney, whatever it was? Oh, no, she changed her name. She doesn't have Romney. She oh, literally she dropped, that she dropped it. How legally. is she still in charge of that with that kind of a train wreck? Well, there was an RNC meeting this week. I think today may be the final day. There may or may not have been a vote of confidence on her, and we'll see if that happened, whether 
she survived it. But Do we uh, have another minute until the break? Quickly. Because often a minute turns into five minutes. Donald Trump spent $55 million on lawyers in the last several months. That's really the answer, right? And he didn't pay it out of his personal pocketbook. His political action committees paid it. They are raising money from your grandma, from your uncle, from the little old lady down the street. It shouldn't be legal, and it's insane. None of us are attorneys, but I'm starting to read a lot about the, the civil cases. Is it true that, to your understanding, that if Trump wants to appeal the whatever the, the E. Jean Carroll verdict was, or the one that's coming, which is going to be even more than that, he has to put that cash up, which is could be $400 million? Is I don't that know true? how liquid this fella is at this point. Well, we're going point. to find out. Yeah, we're going to find out. Uh, and E. Jean Carroll's in my grab bag, so uh, right. I don't want to burn that. Good tease. Now, again, you made the outline. I love this next topic because we're getting out of out of uh, politics. No football this weekend. The heck are we going to do after this? Well, it's Groundhog Day again. And that must mean that we're up here at Gobbler's Knob waiting for the forecast from the world's most famous groundhog weatherman, Punxsutawney Phil who's just about to tell us how much more winter we can expect. And my, like I said earlier, at 10.30, I, I give my annuals, five years in a row, my annual best way to prepare groundhog for your family supper. So I look forward to that every year. And, and I know that I will get more hate mail for that topic than most things I do. I think Charlie should fight back. And every <laughs> in and out of a commercial for the rest of the show, you got to play the song that plays when Bill Murray wakes up every morning. Put your little hand in mine. That's a, that's a, I think Greg beat me to that, so I don't know if I can just keep yeah, doing Pancake that, but I'll doing keep that. that you know that movie well. It's a great that's movie. It is scary movie. in here. Andy McDowell. No driving angry. Andy McDowell, enough said. Everybody knows what we're talking about. All right. No football this weekend. What are we, we going to do? Quickly, because we don't have a lot of time. Pro Bowl games, obviously. I'm not Who watching cares? any of that. That's, that <laughs> is it even a game anymore? It's I like the Olympics or something. I, I, really? I think is it was Caitlin last night. Clark playing another game? I'd watch her before I'd watch it. It's like an obstacle course. It's not even a game. I'm coaching basketball. We got three games tomorrow. We got two oh, games on Sunday. You so probably I'm got busy. hockey. Jets are in town against Springfield tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow. Tickets was, available? Yes. Oh. Uh, Janesville Ice Arena, the, the Wisconsin Badger hockey team, ranked number four in Some, the country. Somebody is, asked me, what's the website for the, you guys so they can find out about it? www.janesvillejets.com. All right. Um, Badgers are in town, the hockey team. I want to try and see them one night this weekend. They play Minnesota Gophers, our number one rival. Um, you know, some stuff around a fat guy like me going back to F forty five. One of the one of the two guys. Uh, I, I, I see your work. If a guy like hard. me can do it, you can do it. So there's one in Brookfield and one in downtown Milwaukee. If you're looking for something, a great forty five minute workout. You didn't ask, but I'm going to a, a sports card collector show at the Salvation Army No Creek Saturdays. Dollar admission, hundred plus vendors. What a deal! Nice. Oh, I'm excited. What a deal! Am Is I... the guy from uh, Wapan going to be there? I, I, he has been. I don't know if he's going to be at this one, but he has. He knows about the show. This is one of the good ones. Oh. And, and you, you didn't ask, but I'll tell you, my next stop after I leave the studio is to drive my better half and the kids to the airport. They'll be gone until Sunday night. So <laughs> oh. me, I'm going to coach basketball. Oh. Me and the dog are going to There's going to be some day drinking going on. Do you have like a bar that you go to that people can find you? There's a neighborhood bar in Shorewood. Oh. I, think people, I think people can put together Day drinking. Here we go. You want to name drop it? Sure. With the Broad House. Oh, nice. Go to East Point I've for been some there. Very nice. That's okay. Great. All right. We'll take a break and then the grab bag. We'll wrap up this Friday edition of the Political Power with Bill McCoshin and Joseph Peck in yours truly on WTMJ Now. Hanging out with Bill and Joe as we do every Friday, Political Power Hour here on WTMJ. Thanks for tuning in. Lots of great comments. I wish I could read all the text. Joe's taking more abuse today than, than you, Bill. So, oh, of whatever course, that he is. Means. yeah. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Well, Bill picked the topic. <laughs> 
Oh, so it's a setup? I'm on the back foot. It's a setup. All right, here's what I'll do, because I'm such a giving Next week, you are a giver. You can pick them next week. That fair? I don't know, because I've got a Thursday afternoon show I'm hosting. I might use all my material there. That's right. You're hosting the afternoon program. So, All right. Well, you, you decide. You tell me. Okay. Before Friday, 9 a.m. Sure. Let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Grab bag. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I have some advice for E. Jean Carroll. Stay off TV, social media, radio. I'm not making a comment about the jury's decision or whether the facts are right or wrong or what the judge's role in this was. But to go on TV and joke and gloat about an $83 million verdict and say she's going to buy a new wardrobe and a penthouse diminishes all credibility of any allegation she had against Donald Trump. It looks political. It looks like a setup. I think she helped Donald Trump this week by going on that show with Rachel Maddow and basically joking about the whole thing. It's a train wreck. My last uh, uh, grab bag is for my friend. Rick Barton, childhood friend, uh, diagnosed with cancer nine years ago. Uh, he was given seven to ten months to live. Nine years later, he's still here. Uh, happy birthday, Ricky. I hope you're listening. Love that story. That's great. This might be the most surprising grant bag of all time. Wow. From Joseph Packey. If you told me ten years, five years ago that I would be here saying this, I would have said you were insane. But I have to wish a fond farewell to Charlie Sykes from the Bulwark Podcast, long-time right-wing radio host right here on these airwaves. I came in his chair after he left. Who more times than not had me hopping mad and screaming and shouting at the radio in the car. Um, I have been a daily listener to the Bulwark for several years now, and it was a conscious choice to say, you know what, you need to get out of your bubble and listen to people more conservative than you talk about the news and issues of the day. And Charlie Sykes and the Bulwark podcast provided that, and it has made me a better American and a better political operative and a better human by listening more to people who I don't agree with on everything. Charlie announced uh, this week that he is stepping away from the Daily Podcast, and that is uh, that is too bad because it's been an incredible contribution uh, to this kind of diary the, the last four or five years of what Trump has done to the Republican Party. Uh, and I will miss him, and I never thought I would say anything like that re- regarding Charlie Sykes. Yeah, but, he was way ahead of the curve. But, Charlie, best wishes to you. Um, it's It's been, you know, thank you. Like, I just don't know what to say other than thank you for putting that in my ears every day. For yeah, I know Charlie a little bit, and we, we go back and forth on text occasionally or, or messaging. And I said yesterday, he was brilliant on the radio. I mean, he dominated it at 620 WTMJ. One of the greatest influencers of conservative politics in Wisconsin in history. Yes, and he was brilliant on the Bulwark podcast. Um, and I said brilliant in both ways. And then he, there's going to be more Charlie Sykes. I'm oh, sure. yeah, he's not yeah. like you know, riding off into the sunset. He's keeping his TV contracts, and I would imagine there'll be like books in his future. Um, but as he put it, he wants to hop off the hamster wheel of crazy. Yeah. And, you can't blame the guy. There's a lot of crazy out there. Is there an off-ramp? <laughs> right. But if he's Where listening, Charlie, I'd like to have him in the podcast as soon as possible. My podcast, which is Decision Wisconsin. So please, let's uh, let's hook that up. Uh, gentlemen, we'll do it again next week. You're going to be on what day in the afternoon here? At uh, next Thursday. All right. Maybe I'll call in. Maybe we, Me too. Yeah, yeah. Let's both call let's in. Get a text Why don't we do from a segment on Thursday number. with us? You're the host. We're the guests. Oh, we can do that. All right. Figure it out. All right. Figure out the logistics of that. All right. I'm not coming in, though. <laughs> Me, either. Me either. <laughs> All right, the news is next on WTMJ. Thanks, guys. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue.
It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of WTMJ Now. I am Steve Scafidi, and I am your host for the next uh, almost two hours. Got a lively political power hour with Bill and Joe. Always good. And don't forget, you can always find it on our podcast page. Speaking of that, this is going to be a nice segue into my food conversation we're going to have next. Not necessarily food, but restaurants. And a really surprising, in my opinion, um, survey that suggests why people, what's the most important thing when people go to restaurants. And I, I kind of surprised me because I didn't expect it. So we'll get your thoughts on that. Uh, my second episode of the Scafidiology podcast, available on WTMJ.com, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Is up and it's a it's a fascinating about a twenty minute conversation with with Chef Michael Fecker who was on the show Tuesday I believe, um, including where he came from and how he could have had a much different life, uh, and he talks about what his dad wanted him to do, which is nothing about restaurants. Trust me, and uh, you can find it as I said wherever you get your podcast. But I made it even easier, and Pursuit Charlie has uh, set it up for me. If you text the word Chef C H E F. To eight five five six one six one six twenty takes right to the link, and it's a, it's a great listen to. I listened to it again this morning, and I did the interview with Chef Fecker. It's a fun one. We got all the the goofy the tahin stuff that we always talk about, and uh, there's some actual recipes in there. He always amazes me with his like instant recall on on how to do something better. And I asked him this question, which I'm always fascinated by the the one thing that people always cook wrong. And he surprised me with the answer, and that's in the podcast. So check it out. Scafidiology, I do a a new one every week or two. probably try to do one every week. Uh, And it's basically, I describe it this way. It's me talking with a great guest about anything but politics. And I got some really good ones coming up in the next few weeks, so I'm excited about that. So if you want to hear my conversation with Chef Michael Fecker, just text the word CHEF, C-H-E-F, to the WTMJ talking text line, 855-616-1620. Now it is Groundhog Day. And because I'm doing sort of a, a foodie hour for the most part, that was my an intro to that. And we're going to talk about restaurants in a second. Um, at 10.30, I do my, I think it's my fifth annual best recipe for groundhog, which is basically a woodchuck. And we'll go through the recipe. I do it every year, and it, it makes people mad. But I, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of Groundhog's Day. I just think it's silly. But I'm going to have fun with it, and we're going to give you a recipe for, if you'd like, groundhog stew. The most important thing about cooking a groundhog, got to take out the scent glands. That'll mess your stew up pretty quick. Trust me. Uh, so, and this is a, this is a common meal in early America. So, if you love history and tradition and how we used to do things, I'm going to walk you through a recipe for groundhog. My contribution to the whole Groundhog Day phenomena. That's at 10:30. All right. So, I saw this story, one of my favorite websites, StudyFinds.org, about restaurants. And I can't give you the the headline because it gives away the thing. If I asked you, all of you in radio land and podcast land and stream land, and our stream is working today, so glad we're back able to provide that service for some of you. If I was going to ask you, what's the number one deal breaker for going to a restaurant? What would you say it is? Just tee it up on the the text line, 855-616-1620. There's a lot of things we could talk about, right? The food what type of cuisine they have, Italian, French, American style, good old burgers, that, all that stuff. 
um, affordability, how much it costs to go to the restaurant. I even know that people who don't go to restaurants so they don't have a parking lot. They hate that when they have to park in the street. So parking is a thing with restaurants. Variety of, uh, of their menu. How clean it is. What their, their restaurant looks like. The attractiveness of the restaurant. What do you think it is? Just guess. 855-616-1620. It's a pretty clear lead for one of those factors. And it was a poll conducted by a company called P&G Professional. A thousand Americans, thousand small business owners and hospitality workers. So people that would know, right? Because a lot of small businesses, restaurants, food providers, food service. And when you think about it, it I guess it sort of makes sense, but it surprised me because I, my number one would have been if I, if I was in the survey, they would ask me. It would have been what they serve as on their menu, the kind of food they have. Because I've been in funky small places that have fantastic food. I was in uh, Two Brothers Restaurant in West Milwaukee over the weekend. My friend Yetta operates it. Small little place, great food, fantastic food. Breakfast all day, love it. Affordable. But it's not a huge place, small parking lot. You know, a lot of us look at the appeal of restaurants as a place to go drink and eat. That's part of it. Some of us like to go to the hotel restaurants, restaurants that are more bars than restaurants. What do you think, 855-616-1620? So a couple texts came in, and certainly welcome your phone calls as well, 855-616-1620. This one I know because I've heard from this from people. Convenience, local parking, seating, timing. One of the things that drives people nuts is, people nuts is, is waiting, having to wait a long time to get seated. I mean, it happens to everybody, right? You're waiting, waiting, waiting. You're on a list. And, you know, I've waited. I think my cutoff, this is another great question. Cutoff to wait. I would wait probably 45 minutes. After that, I'll find somewhere else to eat. What do you think, Charlie? I don't know. All I can think about is that Seinfeld bit with the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> right. right. Um, let's see. Uh, from the 678 area code, uh, Joe in Atlanta. Hey, Joe. Uh, ultimately, the taste of the food is the main thing for me, although bad service can chase me. I didn't even mention bad service. That wasn't even high on the list. Clean restrooms. Cleanliness. Cleanliness. Ooh, you're smarter. Did you cheat, Texas? Did you cheat? If you look at the, the survey, again, done with a 1,000 consumers, business owners, small business owners, and hospitality workers, cleanliness is the winner. 44%. Higher than menu options, right, 35%. Affordability, 33%. Kind of an, I, I'm surprised by that. Because haven't we had all the, we've all had this experience, right? You go to a pizza place, it's kind of dingy inside, but their pizza's amazing. I've had that recently. If the pizza's good, I'm not eating on the floor. What difference does it make? Right? If you go to a beach, like a beach restaurant, right? Spent a lot, a lot of time in the 80s in Florida. I lived in Bel Air Beach, Florida for a while. These were nasty places, but their food was amazing. That's, that's not a thing for me. So I would have never have picked cleanliness as the issue, number one issue. Charlie, would that bother you if a place was dirty? Um, if well, their food was good. If their food, if their food's bad, you're not going to go there. If their food's amazing, do you care that the floor is dirty? No, I do not care. I mean, 
you know, I went to college. I was in a pretty good college town. There's always going to be dirty places with great food. And usually those are the ones that last the longest. Yeah. They're well-worn. We know what their food's like. We're not going to worry about that. So I'm surprised by that. Uh, Don in Racine says consistency. Quality of food. Noise. That's an interesting one. That wasn't even on the list. Noise. I mean, like music noise or like like sometimes when you... I don't have anything to hit anything. You ever been in a restaurant and you can hear everyone's clanking all <laughs> their knives? Everything's like if they have the real plate, like the, the porcelain, the, like everything makes noise. The glassware, everything's chinking all the time. Or they have like a zip line for the orders. <laughs> right. Like yeah. A, yeah. Hooters? At least they had Why would you bring up Hooters? <laughs> I don't... Listen, I was taken to Hooters as a kid. I don't want to think too much about why. Yes. Yeah, probably not. Probably a good idea. Uh, from the 262, cleanliness means the icky factor. Dingy or cluttered is different than icky. I guess. There's a there's a really great pizza place on the south side uh, in Bayview that it's not necessarily, um, and I love the place. It's not like clean, clean, but it's not dirty. I just never would think that's that's uh, a thing for me. Uh, from the 678, for me it's service. When I pay for a nice meal, I expect good service. I think that's a given. Two things. Good food Good service. If you have both of those things, you're going to be a successful restaurant. I'll give you an example. Papa Luigi, Southside, Layton Avenue, Cudahy. My friend Sal. I think his son's run the place now. Always consistent. Food's amazing. They give you too much food. I always say you're giving me too much food, Sal. You got I, like a dish of pasta. I take half of it home, and I'm a good eater. But the restaurant's clean. The service is amazing. The drinks are good. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, noise is noise is getting a lot of attention. Uh, food critic, this is from the 414. Food critic Dennis Ghetto always said if the bathroom is dirty, so is the kitchen. Here's a, here's a inside baseball for me. I rarely, if ever, go into a bathroom at a restaurant. Ever. Like, I can't even remember the last time I did, did that. Maybe that's just me. I just don't do it. So I couldn't, I wouldn't be a good judge of that. But I think that, I don't know if that necessarily correlates because the restaurant is responsible for the kitchen. The patrons are responsible for the bathroom, at least dirtying it. They're, I mean, they're, they're responsible for picking it up. Uh, Noisy's getting a lot. Um, here's an interesting one. My parents go to Culver's because it's clean. Culver's always clean. Like, they really do a good job. Um, here's another one. Being seated by by the door, especially in the winter. If that's one of those restaurants where the door opens up right to the ceiling, no one wants that. Especially in like a couple weeks ago and it was like zero. No. I would, I would literally not go to the restaurant if that was the case. What's your thoughts? We're having a food hour. Because don't forget my, my all-encompassing groundhog recipe is coming up at 1030. I always look forward to reading it, mainly for my satisfaction, not yours, but it's a, it's a tradition. I think it's five years now. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, noise is getting a lot. Cheating at restaurants, what does that mean? Price cheating? Uh, from the 407, thanks for the long-distance listen. I, eat at, I won't eat at a Waffle House unless there's grease on the floor. So they're going the other way with that. I have not been in a Waffle House in decades. I heard their food's good, though. When's the last time you went down south? Yeah, that's probably a couple of decades. Because yeah. I, I went to the Waffle House for the first time a couple of years ago in Florida, but just because, like, I was telling my parents, I have not been to a Waffle House. Let's go to Waffle House. And I'm like, why do you want to go to Waffle House? Because I've never been there. And what did you have at the Waffle House? Pancakes? I got a waffle. Waffles? <laughs> I, like, it's weird. There's, like, only one waffle on the menu, but it's called the Waffle House, at least when I was there. Yeah. See, my thing for breakfast... Regardless of what I get, and I'm, I'm kind of a two eggs over easy guy uh, with unbuttered toast, bacon. I got to have bacon. You can never go wrong with bacon. Yeah, bacon is the solid choice. I don't know what people that, that have breakfast without bacon, like what are you even doing having breakfast? Why don't you just have something else? 
Anyway, we'll continue on the topic if you want to. 855-616-1620. It's a Friday. We can do whatever we want. It's a fun Friday. I'm in a good mood. Hopefully you are too. What are we going to do this weekend? No football. I, I'm still figuring it out. Card show for me. Sunday? I have no clue. My Got wife, two Bucks games. Yeah, that's Saturday, right? Saturday yeah. and Sunday. Oh. All right. There's a that's a nighttime plan though, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about the day? Give me some give me some ideas for Sunday. All right, eight five five six one six one six. We're just having some fun on a Friday on WTMJ now. What matters most to you in a restaurant? Food, menu, service, price? Well, a new survey says it's cleanliness. I got a lot of text on this. Got some phone calls as well. Um, Mike from Illinois. Hey, Mike, before you start talking about restaurant stuff, Mike? Yes, I'm here, brother. So an emailer yesterday said, you know, Mike from Illinois loves to be on the radio. Why doesn't he host a show? <laughs> well, I have a day job, Steve. Yeah, well, you can work at WTMJ Nights. Pardon me? You can work WTMJ Nights. Fill-in host, Mike from Illinois? Yeah. Well, th- it'd be a long ride. Not that I don't drive up to Wisconsin every day, as I am doing right now. Right. But uh, I'm just telling you what the, what the uh, emailer said. Yeah, yeah. Other, all right, no problem. All right, so when it comes to a restaurant, what is it for you? Well, first of all, I just wanted to say, Steve, on Sunday you can watch the final round of the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and you can also watch the skills contest in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I won't be watching Pro Bowl. I, I probably more than likely would be watching the uh, tournament at Pebble Beach because the, the, it's an incredible uh, scene. I used to live in California and, and visited that course a couple times. It's gorgeous. You've taken a 16-mile drive then. Yes, yep. Carmel. and Beautiful. It's, Beautiful. it's absolutely gorgeous there. So, it is. I agree. Um, regards to restaurants, um, service and taste are paramount for me. Um, if, if the food is great and the service sucks, then I'm not going to go back. If the service is great and the food sucks, I'm not going back. Either one would leave a bad taste in my mouth, pun intended. Would you go to a restaurant, Mike, from Illinois, if the food is amazing, spectacular, but it's a little dingy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I mean, as I told Charlie, you know, some of these dive places, you know, uh, these a lot of times if they're bars and stuff like that, their burgers are incredible. And, you know, I just, I love those kind of places. Those are my kind of places. All right. Well, hopefully there's a uh, dive bar or restaurant in your future. Uh, Tom from Hartford joins the conversation. Hey, Tom. Hi, Steve. Uh, yeah, restaurants, uh, we, we go to a, a fish fry every Friday. Very clean. It's a bar-restaurant combination. Where is this place you talk of? Where is this place you talk of? I don't want to say it, and there are too many people there. And ain't that thing. <laughs> oh, you're protecting your identity and the location. I get it. I get it. I get it. Who doesn't love a fish fry? And also, uh, Mike stole my thunder from Illinois. Pebble Beach uh, tournament uh, this weekend. Yeah, and hopefully the it was really windy there the other day. And thanks for the call, Tom. Hopefully it's not the like bad weather when it's when it's sunny. It looks spectacular. Uh, from the text line, the text line is of course the WTMJ talk and text line eight five five. Six one six one six twenty. Um, somebody said for Sunday, prune your trees. Is it time to prune your trees? What does that mean? Like trim the branches. Ah. I guess, and I don't. I think I did that last year. So, um, somebody said you're not going to watch the pro football flag football. No, I have zero. I, I never watched a Pro Bowl. Never been to a Pro Bowl. Um, from the restaurant conversation, definitely the, the, the amount of time you have to wait. 
Supposed to have made a re- reservation and noise. My wife has a hearing disability along with a vision impairment. We try to avoid places that have high ceilings and hard floors because they tend to be very noisy. I have been in situations in restaurants where one party, where was I just at? I think it was in Vegas last fall. And there was one party of like eight people that were so loud. Everyone else was like looking at these, like, just shut up. We couldn't have a conversation because they were so loud. That seems disrespectful to me. I mean, you can you can be fun and you know celebrate whatever you're celebrating, but if you're so loud that no one else can have a conversation, um, from the four one four, tell Steve while well, you're telling me right now, something can be old and dingy but not dirty. Yeah, that's kind of what I said. I mentioned the pizza place. It, it doesn't have to be like the cleanest restaurant, but but the, if the food's amazing, I don't care. I'm going to go there anyway. Uh, let's see. Uh, still on food places, good food, good service, clean. But doesn't have to be meticulously clean. Lived lived in clean is good. Dirty silver or glassware, turn off. This has happened to me. Two quick stories. One, you get a, a glass, like a water glass, and there's lipstick on it. No, that will turn me off pretty quick. The other one, I've told this story before. It's not in a restaurant, but it's at a hotel. I told it not too long ago. Check into a like a five-star hotel in Seattle, out west. I'm a big person on checking the bed right away for bed bugs. So I'm taking it. I always pull the, the even in a five star. I pull up the, the top sheet. There's a, a piece of pizza in the underneath the sheets in a made bed. Like, how is that even possible? You're like, you're cleaning, you're making a bed, and you drop your pizza. First of all, why are you eating when you're making a bed? Dirty pizza. Call the front desk. My entire trip was paid for. I got more free food. <laughs> Free stay, and a really nice hotel. Well, you got free food, all right. Yeah, not the pizza. Although, uh, to be honest, even though it was disgusting and gross in my bed, the pizza looked good, (laughs) to be completely honest. All right, got to take another break here. Don't forget, coming up soon, maybe next break, we'll see. See how I feel. It's kind of a fun Friday on the show. My now five years of running recipe this year for Groundhog Stew. Now, somebody asked me earlier, since the Milwaukee County Zoo did penguins this year, is there a recipe for penguins? <laughs> I don't think Please so. no. I don't think so. But I'm going to look it up during the break. You're listening to WTMJ now. Texter reminds me, we're talking about food this hour for a little bit. Um, there used to be restaurants. I think it was the, the ground round used to have the peanut shells on the floor. Like you'd be literally crunching peanut shells. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Texas Roadhouse still has that, but you don't throw them on the floor, right? Right. Well, that's the first thing I thought of when you I heard peanuts on the floor because there's always going to be peanuts on the floor. Yeah, but I don't think you, you don't throw them on the floor. Some fall there, but like at the ground round, the floor was like a one-inch base of peanut shells. I mean, it was insane. That was just like our on-off-air conversation about the beer on the floor. Yeah, Charlie was asking me, producer Charlie was asking me about um, the, you know, experience that, yeah. I worked it as a bartender for many, many years in, in a lot of different establishments, uh, sports bars, and local local places. And yeah, I mean the the places smell like beer even when they're clean. I mean you can't people spill beer and you, you throw the mop down for you know five seconds and you know that's it. Yeah, that's part of the deal with restaurants. Um, a few more comments on that, and then I'm gonna get to my all important groundhog recipe, which I know you're waiting for. Um, somebody said now we were talking about Pebble Beach that there's massive storms. There may not be golf. Somebody who's like tuning into golf, let me know because that will change that story. Um, if here's one from the 307, thanks for the long distance listen. If my food doesn't come out hot, I'll never go back. 
Yeah, I would just have them heat it up. And I would go back if I liked the food. Uh, lots of people talking about pruning trees. Is that a thing? I mean, is this the time? I think this is the time we're supposed to be doing that, right? Something Warm enough. Now, here's a big one. This is something I, I, I was actually going to make this more of the topic, but I've done this before. Smartphones, cell phones, and restaurants. Texture says this. Something that annoys me at restaurants is people who talk on their cell phone on the speaker mode while they're in the restaurant. That's the worst. Yeah. Or FaceTiming. Don't do that. Like, I've been, I used to be really bad at this. I've kind of swore it off. I often don't even take my phone with me when we go to a restaurant now because I just don't want the temptation. Um, I, I made this comment when I came back from Vegas the last time. I'm, I'm walking by Wolfgang Pucks, and we had just eaten there, and I'm walking around the outside. And uh, if you don't know the Wolfgang Pucks in MGM Grand, it's all open to the to the casino. And there's eight younger people, I would say in their thir- maybe 20s and 30s, could have been there for business for a convention or something. Eight people with appetizers on the table, all not eating, looking at their own phones. It's like, why Like why are you even together? Like, why would you go and do that if you're just going to do the phone thing? So don't do that. Um, from the 414 and the Peanuts thing, the Peanuts and the 4 things seem to stop after COVID. I didn't make that connection. I suppose? That seems like a bit of a reach, though. Uh, lots of people on the pruning. Hey, if Knock yourself out. If you have to prune, go prune. All right. I'll take another quick break. I think I'm due for a break. Yes, Charlie? Yeah. And then we're going to give you the all-important Groundhog Stew recipe. Five years running now. That's my celebration of Groundhog's Day. We'll do it after this on WTMJ. Then put your little hand in mine. Oh, well played, Charlie. So Groundhog's Day, yes. February 2nd. Famous movie, Bill Murray movie. Great movie. Great actor, Bill Murray. So I'm not a big fan of the holiday. I'm going to give you some history about the holiday. So people, you know, they talk about this as, you know, celebration of the groundhog and essentially a woodchuck. And they hold them up in uh, whatever that town is, Gobbler's Knob or whatever the heck that that city is. And they do it in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, and now they're doing a, a penguin version at the Milwaukee County Zoo. People don't realize, if you look at the history... The celebration was actually, here's a groundhog, woodchuck. We're going to now eat this on our menu. That's that's where this sort of originated. Native Americans in our great country ate that animal. People ask, how does it taste? Well, it's com- been compared to rabbits. If you're, you got to remove the scent glands, which is a big part of that, because you're, you're not going to want to eat that or have that ruin the taste of the meat. Uh, some people compare it with lamb and chicken. So when I was reading this stuff a few years ago, I actually put it in one of my Steve Rule the Worlds, which, by the way, since I'm thinking about it, on the, I think it's the 15th, I think that's a Friday, will be a sort of last ever edition of the Steve Rule of the World. It's going to be expanded edition. It's going to be a best of. So put that on your counter. It'll be um, probably about 11, 15 or so on that Friday, the 15th, if that's the right date, whatever that Friday is. We're going to do an expanded final edition of Steve Rule of the World. So you, you're going to want to tune in because I, I will, um, I'll go after everybody, to be honest. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Janelle Branch, and whoever I feel like going after. We're going to take everybody down in one massive. You're going to hear Dirks Bentley drunk on a plane. You're going to hear the theme from Deliverance probably more than once. You're going to hear Benny Hill. You're going to hear audio from President Biden and Donald Trump and certainly. Jack Nicholson, because that's a big feature of that, a big part of that feature. So look forward to that. I think it's on the 15th of that, whatever that Friday is before the 
Maybe it's the 16th, 16th, 17th. I don't know. I'll look it up during the break. All right, so getting back to my Groundhog Day thing. So for the last five years or so, I've, I've had this fun with the um, a recipe for Groundhog. And I always find a different one, and um, I have fun with it. Now, full disclosure, I've never made Groundhog. Not really interested to do that, but again, it was a very common fare of early Americans and Native Americans. So you need one Groundhog. And um, any recipe that you see, they'll advise you to, obviously, remove the fur, take the scent glands out. Not going to get into all of that. But once you've removed all the things you have to remove, you're going to cut in pieces like you would do any animal. Legs, ribs, all that stuff. You have to marinate it. How would you marinate it? Three cups dry white wine. Like a lot of recipes, one bulb of garlic. Some thyme, some rosemary, bay leaves, very important. Salt and pepper, olive oil. Marinate the roughly two to three pounds of groundhog meats, skinned, gutted, rinsed, quartered, right? Marinate that for, let's say, overnight. All right, so you're going to take that marinated groundhog, which will eventually be delicious. You're going to cut it up. You don't have to, but you can cut it up into, like, stew-sized pieces. You know what I'm talking about? The, like the chunks. When you have beef stew, you know what I'm talking about. All right. In a big pot, three cups of mixed vegetables. Carrots, potatoes, onion, celery, fennel. You know, the, the stuff you put in stew. One large tomato cut up. Three quarts chicken stock. A lot of chicken stock. This is the, this is the deal right here. You're going to take four ounces of bacon. Bacon makes everything taste better. One quarter cup wild rice flour. A half a tablespoon of garlic minced, dry sherry, quarter cup. Quarter cup wood, parched, natural wild rice. Or one cup cooked wild rice. One ear of sweet corn. Just plunk that sucker in there. An ear of sweet corn. Two tablespoons unsalted butter. Tabasco, if you want, spice it up a little bit. Nice touch here. Sliced scallions. So you're going to marinate it. You're going to take all those ingredients, you're going to put them in a big pot, and you're going to simmer that all day. Not all day, but half a day. Put the meat in there, corn, wild rice. Season the taste, right? It needs a little salt, needs a little pepper, maybe a little uh, cayenne pepper to put some extra heat on it. And here's the great thing about this recipe. Substitute anything else. Rabbit, turtle, duck. Goose, anything. That is your recipe for groundhog, which is essentially a woodchuck. Native Americans loved it. Early Americans loved it. You will love it. Now, if you want the recipe, I'm not going to type it out for you. But I will tell you, if you go to any Internet search site, recipe for <laughs> groundhog, and they will. There's plenty, I could do like 20 different recipes. That's my public service feature on Groundhog's Day. Enjoy it. And if you make it, let me know. Charlie, how many people do you think will actually make this recipe? Two. I'd say zero. <laughs> I just do it because I know I get more weird emails when I do this than I, almost anything I do. Okay, but my question is, do you know anyone who like sells groundhog or woodchuck? That is a fascinating question, which I don't know the answer to. I bet you there are places, because there's, there's like exotic meat places around, and I'm I'm not certain of this. I will Google it during the break. You can order some of that stuff for flash frozen. 
Are they legal um, to hunt? Also a good question. I'll have to Google that one as well. Charlie asking some fantastic questions today that I can't answer. You would have stumped me twice on Ask Steve Anything. How about that? All right. After the break, I forgot what it is. Oh, yes, we have a great thing on voting. We're going to shift gears out of food. Now that I've made you all hungry for groundhog stew, we're going to shift to voting. Our own Adam Roberts has done a, a great, he's doing a great series on voting. We're going to, we're going to concentrate on Milwaukee, Milwaukee County, I believe, or City of Milwaukee, both, uh, on some of the things you need to know as we look ahead to uh, the election coming up in February and April. All right, after the break. And, yes, you can order Woodchuck slash Groundhog online. Just Google exotic meats. And then knock yourself out. Make some uh, Groundhog stew to celebrate Groundhog's Day, which is today. Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, some great covers that we're going to do here at WTMJ, our own Adam Roberts. Uh, we're As all part of our Decision Wisconsin, it's it's our not only our podcast, which you can find on our podcast page at WTMJ.com, but also our great coverage from our newsroom. And as part of our Decision Wisconsin coverage, WTMJ will be previewing elections that will be on ballots across southeastern Wisconsin in the February 20th spring primaries. WTMJ's Adam Roberts has a look at where the polls will be open this month in Milwaukee County. Pokemon go to the polls. The 2024 election cycle begins in earnest on February 20th. That's when voters across southeast Wisconsin will head to the polls for the spring primary. All month long on WTMJ, we're providing a summary of what you can expect on your ballots when you cast your votes on the 20th. Our first stop is in Milwaukee County, where incumbent Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson is running for his first full term as mayor. We wanted to set out to make a city that was stronger, safer, a city that was more prosperous for folks. And I think we've laid a really good foundation to do that, and I want to build on that in the next term. Johnson has two official challengers on city residents' ballots, and one is a name you might recognize. Aisha Griffin. I've done things outside of the box. My vision is for the people. The other challenger to Mayor Johnson is another past mayoral candidate, David King. People want a mayor that will look after them. If I put you in office, I want you to make sure that my interest is being taken care of. Besides the Milwaukee mayoral race, primaries will be held in three aldermanic districts. District 5's Lamont Westmoreland faces challengers, real estate agent Stacy Smiter and hobby farmer Bruce Winter. In District 7, community organizer Jessica Curry, Masterlock employee DeAndre Jackson, nonprofit professional Randy Jones, and businessman Kenneth Hughes are all running to replace Alderman Khalif Rainey. And in District 11, Milwaukee County Supervisor Peter Burgless, Safety and Civic Commission's Lee Whiting, and former State Representative Josh Zepnick are all hoping to replace Alderman Mark Borkowski. As for municipality-specific ballot items, five school boards in Cudahy, Franklin, Germantown, Greendale, and Shorewood will have primaries for school board positions. The deadline to pre-register to vote has now passed for February 20th, but don't worry, there's still other ways you can register. Voters can head to their local clerk's office between now and February 16th, or you can register day of at your local polling place. For those wishing to vote absentee, most must request a ballot by February 15th, except for those in hospitals who have until 5 p.m. on the 20th to have a ballot brought to them. Coming up next week, we explore what's on the ballot this month in Waukesha County. Adam Roberts, WTMJ News. 
Thank you, Adam Roberts. As he said, we'll have more great coverage all throughout 2024. Decision Wisconsin podcast, our news, great news department. Um, Decision Wisconsin podcast, I do two new ones every week, and you can find them at WTMJ.com. Just look Decision Wisconsin, go to the podcast page, scroll down. All the shows, including, including this show and all the other shows, great shows on WTMJ are there. And give it a listen. Podcasts, if you don't know, if you're not a frequent podcast listener, and I've I've kind of uh, had to talk some people through some of this, it's a different way to consume our great content, right? It's uninterrupted, no commercials. It's generally, on my podcast, about 18 to 20 minutes of content. Uh, it will be often interviews with one or two guests. Um, and I was talking earlier about the Squidiology podcast, which is my sort of anything but politics podcast. I do one every week. This week's great Squidiology podcast is with a frequent guest on the program, Chef Michael Fecker from uh, a local restaurant tour from El Mito and Dobies and a few others. And uh, we had a fun 20-minute conversation about food and where he came from and how he got into it. It's fascinating. If you text the word CHEF, C-H-E-F, to 855-616-1620, I'll take you right there, the link. And then, as I said, we'll do a new one every week. We've got some great ones coming up, including, I think, the Milwaukee mayor is going to join us in the next couple weeks. So some good, fun topical, relevant issues, but as I said with Adam's feature, all of the information you will need to process everything about 2024, whether it's local elections, state elections, or of course the presidential election, you can find it right here on WTMJ. Double Texas asked me about the our German grandeur trip with Fox World Travel, Rose, Gay, Rose Gray, yours truly, and a beer expert. Yeah, if you want to go, you got to do it today, so I'm going to give you the number a couple times, 888 888-369-8785. And we're starting in, in Munich, a couple nights there. Get a, a gorgeous uh, Avalon Waterways river cruise. As Rose calls it, the uh, the, the trip along the, the, the rivers and the bergs, Nuremberg, Bamberg, Wurzburg, Miltonburg, and uh, Strasbourg in France. So it's a, it's a really all-encompassing trip. I, I will, trip. I will tell you that um, having done a bunch of ri- river cruises, um, it's a very unique experience, and one of the things that I was talking to some of the folks who had visited with us last Friday when we did a meet-and-greet with some of our Tuscany travelers who just wanted to have a reunion and some of our Germany travelers who are going to be going with us in July, they're very unique experiences, very intimate. You get to see all of the country. You're not flying from one place to another. You're kind of slowly drifting down the river and seeing all the real places in these countries in Germany and France and then eventually Switzerland. Uh, but you got to sign up, like, now. So I'll give you that number again. And it's really important to do this as soon as possible because it is a spectacular experience. And there's nothing better than Germany in the summer. And we're going to go to all the beer halls and all the fun things you would expect. And then, the you know, the castles. Heck, we're going to do some wine stuff, too. 888-369-8785. Rose Gray, yours truly, a beer expert on the trip with us. Uh the beautiful Black Forest region of Germany, Rhine Gorge, River Cruise, um, guided sightseeing tours, great guides, uh, all the local towns, local beer tours, tastings. The food's going to be amazing, not just uh, in, the, in the Munich part, but also in the River Cruise. It's the best of the best, and you don't want to miss it. 12 days long, almost two weeks, July 16th through the 27th, starting in Munich, get to Nuremberg, and then Basel, Switzerland is where we wrap up. But join us if we would love to have you. You want to find out more, 888-369-8785. You can also go to um, Fox World Travel Group Tours, German Grandeur, and uh, check it out. Sign up today. 
We'd love to have you along. We don't have much space, but we'd love to have you join us in Germany this summer. Another one of our great WTMJ Fox World Travel listener tours. Join us. All right, coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, Libby Collins. And speaking of Rose Gray, that is Libby's Conversations guest this week. How cool is that? So we're going to have Libby join us. We're going to have some fun in the 11 o'clock hour as well. Lots to do, right? Vegas. I'm going to talk about Vegas, one of my favorite cities to travel to. Another record in Vegas. See if you can guess what it is. I'm not going to get to it about 11.20 or so. And then, was reading a story a couple days ago. I didn't get to it yesterday. Apparently, Wisconsin is a really, really, really great place to live and a place that people want to move to and buy houses. I'll give you that story. Weekend Review, we always do it. Adam Roberts, great kind of look at the, all the voices and stories and people and radio hijinks that we have on these this program and others. That's coming up a little bit later in the 11 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. Where would you go at 11.50 or 10.57 on a Friday? But here. The news is next on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. Oh, happy Friday, everybody. Yes, we've made it through the weekend. I can't complain. I was off Monday, so I haven't worked that hard. But I'm working hard today. And one of the things I love about Friday, I love many things about Friday, you know, first and foremost, it's the weekend. But is our conversations, our weekly conversations with the host of Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News and, of course, the brilliant conversations program. And I'm very excited to bring in Rose. I was going to say Rose Gray. That's the subject. Libby Collins. Hey, Steve. And I listen to you every day. <laughs> enjoy you. every moment of it. Thank you. Thank you. Enthusiasm, <laughs> enthusiasm, enthusiasm. I, I said Rose Gray because that's, that's the subject this weekend. You know I love Rose. Well, I know you do, and you've traveled with her yes. extensively. And I've been listening about the the trip you're going to take to Germany. And mm-hmm. you know, I was I was in that area. I was Austria, Germany. Here, I know uh, you were a couple months ago. It is so beautiful. It I is, mean, I, and the people are just wonderful. So everybody knows Rose from, of course, Fox World Travel Show on Saturday, and, and the listener trip. She's been doing them forever. She, I I have traveled with her. She is an absolute blast. And I I was reminding folks a little bit before you came on. Last chance to get on our, on our trip to Germany, and, and Rose is going. I'm going. We have a, a beer expert. But Rose is an amazing person besides the travel stuff. Well, you know, I decided it would be great to sit down with her. She's obviously one of our most popular personalities here on WTMJ. People have known her, listened to her for years. I mean, it's appointment radio on Saturday mornings mm-hmm. at 9 o'clock uh, because so many Questions are out there about where to travel, when to travel, how to travel. And Rose is an expert. But here's the interesting thing. When we sat down, I asked her, I said, you know, you weren't born a travel agent. Uh, (laughs) What are some of the things that that you've done prior to this? And did you know that Rose once owned a flower shop? I did know that. Ah, see, I didn't. Although the name Rose... What a perfect name! Maybe if, if, if the travel thing never, you know, hadn't worked out, maybe she would have been Rose mm. the florist, which would have been perfect. But anyway, I asked her about this, and she told me about her career before she turned to travel. I did some substitute teaching, helped a friend who had graduated from optometric school set up his office, and I did some work at Breckenridge, and so I did get to do some skiing. 
But then my parents said, the flower shop you used to work for is up for sale. And if you'd like, Dad, and I will help you if you would like to come back and do that. Okay, but being in the floral business, that's kind of a high-stress job. It's a very high-stress job. And you got to remember, I was young. I was under 30. When are you the busiest in a flower shop? Weekends, weddings, proms. Valentine's Day. Exactly. Or it's always last minute because it's a funeral. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I did it for a pretty long time, I think. I stuck it out for five years, and then I sold that. That's when I said to myself, okay, you could parlay this travel thing now into a career. Figure it out. And I don't know if you know how stressful running a flower shop is. I I had an aunt, and she did that for years. And that woman, the thing she endured, and I know Rose would have gone through the same thing, and it really prepared her for the travel business. But here's another thing that I found out really interesting about Rose. I don't know if you knew about me, Steve, that I started my career in radio as a receptionist. It was the first thing I did in the radio. I did not know that. Yeah, I did it for a week, but it was my foot in the door. Were you a bad receptionist, Libby? Is that what you're telling us? No, I was a really good receptionist. I loved being a receptionist. Do you know you know everything going on? That is true, yeah. You're the receptionist. There are no secrets. But anyway, Rose also started her career in travel as a receptionist. And it's a fascinating story how she kind of... I don't want to say fell into becoming a travel advisor, but it wasn't the reason she was hired originally. A couple walked in, and I remember this so distinctly. They were clearly farmers by the smell. They had just come out of the barn, and they wanted to go to Las Vegas. I looked around at the staff that I had, and every single person was on the phone, or maybe picked up the phone and pretended they were on the phone because they didn't want to take this customer. So I said, let's see if I can maybe help you. What is it you're looking for? They knew exactly what hotel they wanted to stay at, the old Westward Ho that isn't even there anymore. We go three times a year. This is exactly what we want. I thought, well, how hard is this? I booked them and I took their deposit and I went into the manager and I said, I hope I'm not in trouble, but there was nobody available. And I helped this lovely couple realize their dream of going to Las Vegas for the third time this year. Here's the money and here's the deposit. What's my next step? But I think this says a lot about Rose, that she will go the extra mile for everyone. And she doesn't judge. I mean, everything, if you come to her and you say, look, I am thinking about going somewhere, or this is where I want to go, she will do everything to do that she can to help you get there and make this trip as perfect as it possibly can be. You know, one of the things people ask me about, Rose, is what's she like when, when you travel? And I, I describe it this way, three letters, fun. Oh. Rose finds fun, and whether it's the, 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 you know, the stuff that you have laid out on the trip or just the, the side trips or just hanging out with the people that are on the trip. She finds fun, and she makes it fun. And we had some really like serious travel issues that we had to you know, work our ways through. But at the end of the trip, no one mentioned any of that because Rose and Fox made it fun for everybody. And, and that's one of the things I love about Rose. Well, and she's so good at what she does. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's like a duck. You, you are a swan. Let's say a swan, not a duck. A, a swan gliding through the water, but shuffling like crazy underneath, but you never see it. I mean, she is just smooth as can be and, and makes everything just go the way it should be for everyone. 
All right, so we got one more clip or no? Show come about. Oh, there we go. So the host of that show, she wanted to take a WTMJ slash Fox World Travel listener trip, but it was a three-week Mediterranean cruise. And at that point in time, I was still doing little spots for Manitowoc because we had an office in Manitowoc and Sheboygan Radio, 10-minute spots weekly, where we basically did what I do every week on TMJ. We just did that for 10 minutes. We didn't take calls. But the radio personality and I would just talk travel for 10 minutes. So my boss at the time was the vice president of vacation travel. He said, do you think you could handle Jean's show? And I said, I think I could. I'll give it a try. You know, we'll see what happens. And I did it. It was well received. And I phased into that and have been doing it for now 13 years. And it's a great show. I listen every Saturday. And even when I'm when I'm traveling, I sometimes find the show because she just knows so much about so many parts of the world. I think she's been to every continent now because I think she knocked off Antarctica last year. I mean, mm-hmm. she's. I think she's on her way to Vietnam, maybe today. It's, it's an incredible story. And is it going to play at the regular time on Sunday, 11 a.m.? Yeah, it'll play at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And I'll be here tomorrow morning. I'm filling in for Dayton Kane. So I'll be doing the Fox World Travel oh, Show. Oh, nice, nice. And now, the Fix It Show and having a great Saturday morning. Well, you can learn about fixing things up. Listen, I know I need help as far as fixing things up. I don't know the one end of the hammer from the other. All right, can you stay on one break? I want to ask you a question about Groundhog's Day. Is it Uh-oh. Groundhog's or Groundhog? What is it? It's Groundhog. Groundhog. No, you only, no. Yeah, yeah Groundhog. because it doesn't, the day doesn't belong to Groundhogs. Hmm. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. Very, were you listening to the 10 o'clock hour by any chance? Or 11, yeah, 10 o'clock hour. Yeah, I, I, I gave part a, of it. I gave a recipe for Groundhog. Yes. Okay, I'm going to ask you about that in a second. After the break. Hanging out with Libby Collins on this Friday. I think we do every Friday. We're talking about our Sunday Conversations uh, Hour with Rose Gray from Fox World Travel, who will be joining me on my German grandeur trip in July. And Texter just asked me, can can you go if you're not a beer drinker? Yeah, I'm a wine, wine drinker. I'm a Tito's drinker. I like beer, but I don't drink a ton of beer, so I'd be happy to sit down next to you at the bar in Germany and drink whatever you want. Um... I, I I did a little bit of of groundhog stuff in the ten o'clock hour. Libby, you said you were listening. Mm-hmm. So I gave the recipe for this groundhog stew. Now I've been I've been told by the text line that apparently groundhogs are on the endangered species list. <laughs> they are not. That's what somebody said. I don't know if it's true or not. It seems like they're everywhere, so I don't know how that could be true. Now, would you call yourself an adventurous eater, Libby? I Collin? am somewhat. Yeah. So, like, what have you had that's like out of the norm? Mm. Oh, by the way, and I understand that groundhog meat is supposed to taste like dark meat turkey. Yeah, and it's been compared to like rabbit, which is sort of that taste. Yeah. And it's yeah, got a, a little yeah. wildness to it. You have to take the scent glands out, otherwise it will taste like garbage. All right, so you want to know the most exotic yes. thing I ever ate. Uh-huh. And let me tell you, let me, let me preface this, that it was all part of a radio uh, show I was doing on remote, and it was done for charity. But, um, you know, okay, so it was in Illinois, and I'm trying to think of the name of the town. It's near Woodstock, by the way, speaking of Groundhog's Day. Oh, okay. But they have every year what's known as the Turkey Testicle Festival. Mm. Mm, mm-hmm. And you, you and, have that. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, to raise money for a good cause. Well, that's good. For a cancer. For, yeah, yeah. And um, Like, I've had snake. It was not. No, it was not cooked. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, no. I don't, yes, it was. Yes, mm. it was. I would never do that again. I mean, I we raised a lot of money, but it... Um, I, I I sort of get a gaggy reflex even thinking yeah. about it. I mean, I've had al- yeah. alligator, snake, I've had buffalo, I've had uh, almost every animal you can, you can hunt, and yeah, you know, al- all the birds. I've never, ha- I've never had snake. I, it's just something about a snake. You know, it was fried up. It tastes like any other fried food, to be honest. Yeah. If yeah. I brought groundhog stew in to the station, would you eat it? I don't like stew, but... Oh. But I have a recipe for groundhog tacos. <laughs> well, yeah, I saw that online actually today. <laughs> yeah. um, it's hun- so, Brent, so, so if you make it into tacos, I'll try it. All right. So, and by the way, it's Huntley, Illinois has the turkey testicle. Huntley, Festival. thank you, thank you. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. I remember being at Huntley. Yes. All right. So, not not necessarily. What what is your favorite food? Just talking about food. Well, see, I do like sushi. Really? So yeah, yeah. So huh. I mean, and not everybody does. I mean, I'll do the eel. I do um, the the sashimi. I I love sushi. Yeah, not necessarily so, like gas station sushi though. Oh gosh, no, no, because no, that's no, available no, no, now. No. I don't know if you know that, but that's available in Wisconsin as we speak. Yeah, I I don't recommend mm-hmm. that highly. I, right. You have to go someplace where you know it's fresh. You see them preparing. By the way, the the sushi place at the Third Street. Uh, Market Hall. Yes. Very, very good. Right. I can see it as we're talking, Libby. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love it. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Sunday Conversations. Ro- the one, the only Rose Gray. That's worth a listen just to hear Rose talk and you talk. I can't wait. And as always, Steve, it is a pleasure. Thank you and happy Groundhog Day to you. Yes. Only one Groundhog Day. And uh, if you want more, Libby Collins, she's hosting in the morning tomorrow on WTMJ and all the Fix It stuff and, and Fox World Travel. I will be listening tomorrow, Libby Collins. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Have a great weekend. All right, you too. Libby Collins, everybody. Talking about Rose Gray. I didn't even know that until I until Libby sent me a note saying that she was going to be the guest this week. So I'm going to be listening because I think that's fascinating. All right. What am I going to get to next week? Uh, next uh, segment or next week? Um, Las Vegas. So I, I teased it before and somebody I, I was saying, what's like this um, sort of record thing that's happening. It's not, as a texter said, the fact that all these private jets are coming in for the Super Bowl, because the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas. I don't know if you knew that. Um, That's not it. But they set a record. I'll tell you about it after this. Oh, yes, Super Bowl Sunday, a week from this Sunday, is in Las Vegas. I almost, there was a chance I was going to go to it this year. Could have been a much better chance the Packers would have beaten the uh, 49ers and then the Lions. Didn't happen though, so I'm over it though. That was a, it was a surprise season. Uh, so I was teasing this a little bit earlier, and I, Charlie was guessing during the break. It's nothing to do with like private jets flying in for the game, which there'll be many of them. And this is a big event, and the fact that it's in Vegas, which is you know Sin City, the old name, and sort of like the entertainment capital of the world, and it's also becoming a place for really successful sports franchises, Raiders notwithstanding. But they set a record in 2023. And it's pretty significant. In the final month, this is one month, not the whole year, one month. Las Vegas casinos on the Strip and Clark County, which is that area that that the Strip resides in. Get this, they took in more than $1.4 billion in revenue. That's an all-time record. In one month. Why do I bring this up? One, I bring it up because I love Las Vegas. 
Uh, and a couple of other reasons as well. One, the, the the house usually wins, which is they're not giving this stuff away. You think they are, but you're paying for it in, in a different way. But the other one is, this is another example. It's a bit of a stretch, but I'm going to make it anyway. Of how Americans are saying to the doom and gloomers out there, we hear you. But we're still going to have fun. We're still going to spend and that's been a lesson for most of 2023 and certainly the beginning of 2024, one month down. You can keep hammering on the fact that not everyone's doing great. Did you ever think about that for a second? I don't care what the economy is doing, how great it is, whenever it is booming. Even in that climate, not everyone does great. There's always bad news for somebody. Someone loses their job even in great economic climates. It's just the reality of life. Bad news happens. People pass away. Businesses shut down, even in great economic booms. Now, unfortunately, that's the price of politics, right? We have to we have to emphasize, if we're trying to prove a political point, that even in better economic times, which is how I would describe our situation right now, whether it's oil and gas, declining gas prices, increasing wages, low inflation, coming back to more normal rates of inflation, Low unemployment, all of these things, credible records set in the stock market, all these things point to success, positivity, celebrating life, which in my mind, somebody goes to Vegas three or four times a year, is Las Vegas. Great food, gambling if you want to do that. You can see every show possible, all the big stars. You just hang out at the pool if you want in most of the months of the year. And I've had this theme throughout the week of shows this week, and it's been, I understand the politics of it. I understand whenever a report comes out, today it was uh, jobs, blowing the doors off, well exceeded expectations. I understand there's a political piece that says, well, what about this? You know, it's the what about. That's the loosest way I can describe it. It's, it's, It's ignore the good news. Here's some bad news that makes you want to vote for our person. I understand the psychology of that, but also understand this reality. As long as I have a microphone, I'm going to push back on that because it makes no damn sense. You can cheer for bad news if you want to. You can cheer for things that make your candidate look better based sometimes on not even on on reality. Because, you know, I'm still seeing people posting stuff about inflation. That's not just not true anymore. Inflation has come back. Is it perfect? No, nothing's perfect. Nothing ever will be perfect. This is a moment where this country is poised to do something pretty significant. I'm not even talking about politics. Manufacturing, many sectors, just killing it. If you're somebody who invests in a 401k and those corresponding investments, you did pretty well in the end of 2023 and doing pretty well in 2024 so far. Second day of February. Again, not everyone is always going to benefit. That's always the case. So you're going to see a lot of uh, me pushing back against doom and gloomers. One, they're generally not very fun people. There's this class of people, I like to call them, I used to say we're a country of complainers. I still say that, but it's like the Internet arguers. It doesn't matter what the story is. They want to argue, whatever it is. It can be the most silly thing in the world. They're going to argue about it. You know, we talked about this yesterday with anonymity. It provides a 
a place, a, uh, a receptacle for nonsense where people can just get engaged in these stupid conversations. But, and I'm, I'm typically, here's my rules. If you're an anonymous account, I'm typically not going to engage them with you because you want to, you want to have an opinion, put your face and your name on it. That's my opinion. Mine's on it. Do the same. Doesn't mean you, I won't read your comment. I probably will, but I'm not going to respond to it because you don't have the bravery, courage, whatever it is to put your face and your name on it. And the other thing is, if you want to play games with arguments, just argue for arguing, arguing sake, not really interested. I may engage one response, and if it continues in a really stupid way, I'm going to let it go. Not a fan of whataboutism, not a fan of doom and gloomers, especially when the, the situation doesn't require that kind of attitude or that uh, response. Just telling you what I think. Las Vegas, booming. Another example of a piece of our... Economy, entertainment, gambling. So popular, the NFL gambles now. All those different websites, all those different opportunities, all those casinos, and they're building more. So you can you can give me the doom and gloom that people are suffering, and some are. They always do. And you can certainly, and you should certainly, help those people in any way you can, and I think we do a good job of that in this country. Better than most. But if you're going to sit here and tell me things are bad... I'm not feeling it. And I think the only reason you're feeling it is because you're trying to prove a political point. And one more thing. I, I gave this out as homework the other day. If you see someone who's constantly doom and glooming the, the economy or good news when it comes to the economy, check out their feed. Just go back and look at the things they posted. I did this for 20 people the other day, just as a homework assignment for myself, and I passed it on to you. You'll see pretty quickly why they're doing that. It's lazy, it's unintellectual, and it's Purely politics. And since you know the show because you're listening, most of you, not a fan of pure politics for politics' sake. Just a thought. Oh, happy Friday, everybody. Hope you're having a great day. Talked to Libby Collins today. We had Bill and Joe earlier. That's always everybody's favorite hour of the week. I can say that. Political power hour. Powerful. You're going to hear more of that soon. Little tease there for the show. Um, if you are interested in any of our content, any of our interviews, features, uh, and and the entire shows that we do, our podcast, all available at WTMJ.com, a great resource for anything in the news of the day, breaking news. Uh, we do a lot of great things here. We've got a lot of great people working at uh, WTMJ and our other sister stations, ESPN 94.5 and The Truth 1017. It's really a great group of people. I, I, we, we had an event last night for one of our teammates, Bob Pekenbrock, who retired after many years uh, working in sales for WTMJ and the other stations. And uh, it was fun. It was at Botana's, local restaurant, Southside, Milwaukee. Fantastic food. Um, I know the owner pretty well. And uh, it's it's one of those moments. It's it's sad, but then if there's a good news, like Bob and his wife and his family, they get to spend time together. You know, they can retire and, you know, knowing Bob probably still show up next week looking for work to do. That's that's what he is. He's like one of the most optimistic people I've ever seen. And I've had him on the show. I've obviously worked with him on some of the partners that I have on my program and on WTMJ. And he's just a generally, generally nice human being. And we had a chance to gather last night, some of us at uh, Botana's, and just celebrate that. Great food. I'll be honest, I had a margarita. My one drink for the nights. Awesome. And just hanging out with young people that work at GKB and, and some of us who've been here longer, the Eric Bilsteds of the world and the Nick Van Wagenens and 
some of the great sales teams. It's it's a it's a celebration of life that we you know we we think that we all want to work forever, but you know in, in honesty we don't. And for Bob Peekenbrock, he's getting a well deserved time to enjoy life in a different way. And I'm sure knowing Bob that he'll do it very well. All right, I want to tell you this story. It's sort of a um, an interesting story because we know that we're told that more and more people are choosing to rent than own. So I saw this story in the Journal Sentinel written by Alex Growth, and the headline is this, Wisconsin is one of the easiest states to sell your home. And I'm thinking about this. Is this good news or bad news? Well, if you're selling, it's it's great news. If you're buying, I don't, I don't know, do you want it to sell quickly or do you want to have a chance to buy it yourself? So on the list of the the top ten places in the United States, Wisconsin's second. Now, the number's actually larger than I thought it would be. It's 64.9 days to sell the average home sells between October 20, uh, 2022 and October 2023. Number one quickest, Indiana. Would have never guessed that. I've been to Indiana. Not a fan. Very boring state. I have to go to a wedding there. I love the fact that I'm going to a wedding, but it's a very boring state. I've driven through it many times. East, west, north, south. It doesn't change much. Charlie has a big smile on his face. What are you going to tell me about Indiana? I agree. I don't like it. <laughs> I like, I'm like. i not a big fan of Ohio. I like Ohio a little bit more. It's a little more interesting stuff. Yeah, there's a little topography. There's a little more fun, a little more things to do. Indiana, it seems like it's rest stops. Yeah, well, we used to have a lake house um, on the near the Illinois border, and there's actually this nice place off of, I can never remember the interstates, I-74, well, called the Beef House. Very well, good. I, doesn't I-80 go east, too? That goes all the way to the east coast, yeah. Yeah, but I uh, 74 is because we lived in Champaign. 65 goes south, I think, yeah. They, they, they got a whole like kind of star shape of uh, interstates going through. Yeah, it's a busy place, but I'm not a fan. And no. here's why I don't like Indi- Indiana, per se. I went to Indianapolis many years ago, and it was because my daughter, Chrissy, was a gymnast. She went on to be a college gymnast, and uh, so we traveled around for these meets. And we're in a suburb of Indianapolis, and uh, it's pretty well set up. It's got like a circle highway system, which I, I, I thought was great. And then one day, I think it was the first day we were there, it snowed. And I would put it this way. It was probably, those of us in Wisconsin, we see this all like three or four inches of snow. The whole place shut down. Didn't plow the highways. We had to get to a meet. It was ridiculous. And I, I'm a pretty good snow driver in a car, so I was able to handle it. I think we had a van at the time. And I got to where I was going, but everything was slow and delayed. And it's my common reaction to states that don't really care that much about snowstorms or, like, clearing their streets or highways. They're like, nah, we'll get to it when we get to it. I hate that attitude. That's why we're so good at, at it in Wisconsin. When it's a snow emergency, we kind of have it figured out. Places like Indiana, Iowa, Texas, horrible. Texas doesn't even want to spend the money on equipment because, ooh, don't want to spend too much. But we'll build a 30,000-seat high school football stadium. Where do we sign up for that? Priorities. Interesting. Anyway, the rest of the list, best states, easiest states to sell your home. Indiana's number one, 59.9 days. Wisconsin, 64.9. Michigan, Virginia, Number 10 is Rhode Island. I think it might be our smallest state, Rhode Island. Good news or bad news? I don't know. Good if you're selling, I guess. Now, I will tell you this, since I know Oak Creek pretty well where I live, most of the homes that are available last like three days, maybe a week. Not a huge supply, in demand, city people want to live in, 
still affordable. They sell really fast. If you're a realtor out there, you can certainly correct me on any of this information. But Wisconsin, second on the list, easiest place to sell sell your home. Because people want to live here. They get good value for their price, quality of life. We know what to do in a snow emergency, like I just said. Lots of lots of positives. All right, we'll take another break here. After the break, we can review. Sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. One of the fun things we do on Friday is kind of look back and listen to all the voices and, and segments and stories we covered on WTMJ, and this week is no different. Calls for change to the EMS procedures, two highway workers injured on I-94, an unsolved tragedy in Elkhorn, and more. It's the Week in Review brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. An attorney for Morgan Geyser has requested her release from Winnebago Mental Health Institute. Any questions? No, sir. The alleged dating app predator back in court today. I don't really want, want to get into the, the entire ins and outs of the situation. We have to go forward in this matter. President Biden announcing that Iran-backed militant groups killed three American service members and wounded several others in an aerial drone attack in Jordan. <laughs> 911, where's your emergency? I can't for you. Milwaukee Fire and EMS crews denying any wrongdoing after a woman died at a bus stop at the intersection of 76th and Congress. It's a reality of what we deal with in EMS every day of the year. CEO Jim Baker of Curtis Ambulance, who were the first responders dispatched to the scene. The EMS system here worked as designed. The first ambulance, which was for a low-priority call, was there within four minutes. It's much easier to sit in a warm truck than to get out in sub-zero temps, actively look around a bus stop for someone who has been called in as being unconscious and lying on the ground. Am I wrong? Don't think so. If the protocol is to stay within your your uh, vehicle, uh, even for someone who's potentially saving a life, I think the more obvious reaction is, how the heck can that be the rule? Three highway workers injured on I-94. This is near the College Avenue on-ramp. We need paramedics right away. Our guys were working inside inside the core point. A car came and, and hit our truck, and it hit our guy. The consultants have determined that one map submitted by the Republican legislature and another from a conservative law firm are part Partisan gerrymanders. Will the Republicans really want a liberal-leaning court deciding what the final maps will look like, or will Republicans and the governor try to find some sort of consensus? Guard 6-3 from Weepers State, wearing the letter O, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard had his chance, ball knocked away from Simons, picked up by Lillard, lobs to Giannis, who thumps it down on the I'm sorry it took me so long to come out with new material, but I I do have a pretty good excuse. I was dead. (laughs) That is supposedly an audio special called George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead, a fake comedy special. Please welcome to What's on Tap, the executor of George Carlin's estate, Gerald Hamza. I understand that they've taken the show down, but they just took it upon themselves to try to copy a George Carlin special. We're getting some reports of a breaking situation in Elkhorn. The Elkhorn Police Department says two people are dead after a shooting at a sports bar. Is there a security risk for anyone in the community right now? We have no one in custody at this time for this crime, so people should take reasonable steps to assure their safety. Thousands of people headed to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania for Phil's annual forecast, and he did not see his shadow. Glad tidings on this Groundhog Day. An early spring is... 
With beloved Gordy no longer with us, the Milwaukee County Zoo had to make a decision. Which animal could be used as a replacement on Groundhog Day? The zoo has decided to go with a penguin to make the prediction. Which begs the question... Why a penguin? We know if the badger was pissed that he wasn't asked to do this. I don't think the badger minds. I think the badger's uh, uh, still sleeping or snoozing. Can a rodent get a little sleeper on here? I weak. Big, like, blow-up dolls. Mixed fiddle. I'm really bummed. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Thank you, Adam Roberts. Put that together as he does every week. The Weekend Review sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. I'm going to give you a chance to um, collect your thoughts. We talked about a lot of different things today, but I want to give you uh, just a quick look back at the uh, show poll today. Um, you're going to hear a lot. I'm, I'm going to talk about this after the break as well. You're going to hear a lot about redistricting. The uh, the consultants weighed in. We talked about this with Bill and Joe this morning. Um, I made it my show poll today. So the idea is this: who do you who do you blame for all of this? And I gave you the obvious choices, right? Wisconsin Supreme Court. It's now liberal majority court. State legislature. They're supposed to figure these things out. They actually still have an opportunity if they would work with the governor. Is the governor at fault? Other reasons? You can weigh in on uh, the X. Just find me at WTMJ Steve or at 620 WTMJ. And you can certainly weigh in on the WTMJ talk and text line 855-616-1620. I'm going to give you some thoughts on this after the break as we wind up this week's of shows. Great shows this week. Great guests. As always, looking forward to next week as well. And then... A week from Sunday, the Super Bowl, and we're going to do a special super post-Super Bowl show on that Monday with, I haven't asked her yet, Carol Kane, Steve Palak, local radio legend, and who else Who else might show up? I don't even know. Kind of a look at the commercials, the game, culture, everything on that post-Super Bowl edition. So, Carol Kane, if you're out there, get a hold of me. Um, so, we're going to talk about redistricting and the consultant's report, where it goes next, all of that after the break. You're going to hear a lot about redistricting. The consultant's report came out last night. It said the two conservative plans were basically partisan gerrymandering. The the four sort of liberal plans sort of indistinguishable from each other. So I'm going to cut through a lot of noise because there are going to be hours and hours of talk radio about this for at least the next couple of weeks. Here's the reality in Wisconsin. And you can agree or disagree. I don't care. Whatever happened in 2011... Lines were were made to improve the chances that Republicans would be elected to offices, state offices, in the Assembly and the Senate. I have people arguing with me online that that's not the case. How'd it work out? It's a 50-50 state. Republicans have built up massive majorities in the Assembly, and they have a veto-proof majority in in the Senate. I get that we generally, Republicans have better ideas. I agree with that. Not that great better. You know, not that better. I guess it's the easiest way to put that. So every day I do an election talking points memo to save you all the grief because this is a uh, this is a uh, analogy using a piece of paper, but it, 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 I think it's true. Every day in in media across this country, Republicans and Democrats have basic talking points that are just pushed out, whether by their national committees, whether by their senior leadership, whether by their elected leaders. It's all the same. They use the same phrases, the same words. Knuckleheads go on TV and radio and say these things out loud over and over again, repeating the same thing. And then the next day, there's a, there's a, a whole bunch of new ones. So when I get these symbolically, I rip them up because I don't care. One, it's biased by the party. It's stupid. It's dumb. I know your party wants to win. That's the whole point of 
trying to gerrymander on both sides. You can look to Illinois. There's classic Democratic-leaning gerrymandering. And Wisconsin, there's been some in, in, by Republicans. It's not an arguable issue. So you can argue if you want, but that's, again, arguing for arguing's sake. Who cares? No one. So every day I have a Talking Points memo. I'll continue to do that throughout the year, probably. I'm going to cut through the BS. Today's, my 2024 daily election Talking Points memo. Republicans are saying this. Dems in Wisconsin are trying to gerrymander. Right? Dems, what do they say? Republicans gerrymandered in 2011. Who cares? How about just doing your damn jobs? Figure it out. Make it fair as possible. It's not perfect. Nothing's perfect. Whether it's the Iowa model or whatever you come up with. And we'll find out what the uh, Supreme Court of Wisconsin, the legislature, and the governor finally can find something to agree on. Or maybe they don't. We've had wins this year or last year with shared revenue bill and Brewers Stadium package. Those are wins. We've also had things that didn't get done, i.e., our tax surplus and whatever money we overpaid coming back to us. Now it's $4 billion. What are you doing? How's that going? Instead, you want to argue about gerrymandering, which is what people do, country of complainers. And in the state of Wisconsin, we argue about everything political. It's been our culture for years. Not going to change. Understand that. But when you're digesting all this gerrymandering and redistricting nonsense, how about just looking at it from the perspective of us? Fairly represented, serious elected officials, not unserious, not people who spend more time yakking on talk shows, writing press releases, not doing the people's work. How about some work being done? like fixing the tax problems, like getting the surplus redistributed to the people who actually paid it. So all of those knuckleheads who want to argue about redistricting and what kind of rules we're going to use to figure out where the lines go, shut the hell up. Seriously. You're professional arguers. What are you doing here? It's dumb. It's stupid. Here's how politics works. I will I will dip my toe in the world of politics. When one side has the power, they want to maximize that power. They want to take advantage of everything they can do to keep their power, whether that's a Democrat or Republican. It never changes. What's changed is, for the ones we do get into office, however that is, wherever the lines are drawn, they're doing less and less real work. And I'm sick and tired of that. So my shut the hell up today is for the professional arguers. I know you all think you're smart. I know that redistricting is important. It only happens every 10 years, supposedly. At the end of the day, how about showing some concern for the work product? How about showing some concern for the actual people that have to live with all this nonsense, which is you and me and the rest of us? That's my message as I close out a great week of shows.